listening to Impact Insights, a communications podcast by the Impact Agency. Hello and welcome to the Impact Insights podcast. I am Nicole Webb, the CEO of the Impact Agency and with me is Francis Dwyer, my general manager. Hi, Fry. Hello, how are you? Yeah, good. I feel like we haven't done one of these for a while, so I feel like I've got my training wheels on today. It's all right. We know how to gas back. uh, It's all good. (laughs) What did you say? You've had three coffees. I've had three coffees. So, you know, you need to ground me in today's episode. (laughs) I'm tethered to you. You're my rock. Tethered to me. Oh, okay. Well, I'll try and be as um, solid as I can can be. Um, So what we wanted to do, um, last time we had a chat, we talked about um, a a kind of a process we go through called PESL. And PESL stands, obviously, it's an acronym for something, um, as it is in this industry. But PESL is, um, it stands for Political, Economic, Social, Technology, Legal and Environment. Mm -hmm. Did I get that in the mm-hmm. right order? I got that in the right order. And we spoke about the pest, but we didn't do the tool mm. <laughs> in our last conversation. But since we um, have had that conversation, did I tell you I'm just back from Sweden? You're just back from Sweden. <laughs> no, just back from Are Sweden. You? So um, <laughs> I was very fortunate enough to travel, haven't travelled overseas since November 2019. So um a little apprehensive, but had a, um, a wonderful trip to see our colleagues from the ECHO network that we're part of. So independently owned agencies across, I think we're in 40 countries, 35 mm, agencies mm. in 40 countries. So um, got to meet up with a whole bunch of our colleagues in Stockholm hosted by our Swedish partners. So um, And you had, and anyway, you had beautiful blah, blah, blah. weather so, too while you were there. Oh, my God, it was 17 degrees and sunny when we landed. Um, I went with my sister when we landed on the day. Was it Tuesday? I think we landed. And, you know, coming from Sydney where we've had nothing but rain, mm. rain, 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 I went, oh, gorgeous. the sun. And then it was just beautiful for the two weeks that I was there. It was brilliant. So good. Absolutely brilliant. Anyway, we're not here to discuss. No. Um, Swedish the, weather. The joys of, of <laughs> my trip to Stockholm. Um, but no, what before we left, um, before I left, we asked our ECHO partners um, for some input around this pestle process that we go through and just to see what was keeping them awake at night and their and their business and their um, clients mm. um, awake at night. And it was very, very interesting. So I thought what we might do today, if that's all right with you, um, that we just recap a little bit on what we spoke about last time around the PES mm. and um, then put some input, provide some input in f- from the ECHO survey that we did and then we'll do the tool at the end. Is that okay? Yeah, great. It's nice to be able to okay. compare and contrast with what's happening in other parts of the world. Yeah, and, and you know, what was really interesting about doing it is that we're all experiencing very, very similar um, issues mm. Um, globally it's um yeah that global economy glo- everything's affecting everything mm. so it's um yeah it was it was nice that we're all going through these things together mm. all right did you want to have a just sum up or do you want me to sum up from what we talked about last time well, i think that um and this was reflected in uh what our counterparts in the other parts of the world shared with us as well that from a political perspective i know here in australia we talked about um, our new government, changing government, putting environment back on the agenda. 
um, and also some shifts in terms of um, you know the, the big job summit that occurred, changes in regulation coming, and uh, I know that that's the case in in a lot of other countries. Some big shifts and change in government and regulation is definitely the big political forces that they're feeling. Um, since we last spoke, I think Liz Truss became prime minister and finished up as prime minister. <laughs> so that gives a bit of a timestamp on. <laughs> Yeah, uh, really shouldn't laugh. It's it's it shouldn't laugh. No, but this is just yet it's another just... you know um, proof point for the average person as to why there might be some disengagement, disenchantment, and distrust of leaders um, and conventional politics, particularly um, you know Westminster system for UK and Australia and whatever we want to call the system in America. <laughs> uh, with mid. We're in the midst of midterms right now, and there's some very interesting things happening over there. So um, certainly that was feedback from our, our ECHO partners as well, that those things are having a huge impact on business and on um, social and, and community-based issues as well. Yeah, so um, in the survey that we did with the ECHO partners, from a political standpoint, it was the – actually, what was number one? 60, 69% of respondents sound like a uh, – a researcher, don't I? Um, that uh, increasing international tensions and trade wars was the number one issue for, for them. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, the majority of our partners are in Europe and, you know, hundreds of kilometres uh, away from the war in Ukraine. So, yeah, it's right on their doorstep, isn't it? Right on their doorstep. Yeah. And interestingly, um, 56% uh, said a new governor or an upcoming election was an issue for them in the areas that they um, that they reside. So, yeah, changes afoot. Mm. And then that sort of segues a bit into, I think, economic, where we talked about cost of living and interest rate rises. I think we've probably had about three or four more rate rises since we last spoke as well. Inflation is um, ticking, continues to tick up. That's the case around the world, right? Everybody's feeling it. And I think in August, you and I were having an off podcast chat about, should have recorded it, uh, sent the voice memo to Leah. She could have just stitched it into something. <laughs> <laughs> but we were talking about, because um, you and I worked together when the GFC hit as well. And it just, there seemed to be a few things happening in terms of sentiment from particularly some of our corporate professional finance, IT services, realm clients, some feedback, some discussions around a little bit of concern, maybe a little bit more conservatism than usual. Um, maybe, oh, we're not going to go quite as hard on those additional projects before the end of the year. Or maybe we're reconsidering the topics we're going to focus on in light of what's happening globally. You know, what conversations do we want to lean into um, where is our expertise going to be of most use right now? And some of those signals just felt so similar to the lead up mm. to when GFC hit uh, in 2009. And certainly a lot of the economic point uh, factors, um, interest rate rising, inflation, um, are very similar. And the anomaly is the unemployment rate and the talent market. So... This is the first time, certainly in my life, that there's been a recession or a retraction in the economy that coincides with an extraordinarily tight labour market. Um, and I know Westpac earlier this week actually put out a statement 
that they were pulling back on their cost cutting measures because they took a hit on their, you know, billion dollar profit last quarter. Yeah, my, my heart bleeds. I know. It was still a substantial profit, but took a hit. And um, so they'd already shared a number of cost cutting measures with their shareholders and they actually um, reset them and said they couldn't pull back as far because of the tight labour market, that they need to continue to invest in people, can't afford to either chop uh, positions or salaries because they actually have a huge amount of vacancies they're still trying to fill. Um, So there's no fat to be able to trim. So I think that's an interesting dynamic, particularly for the Australian market. We're already seeing in the US, um, you know, uh, the Silicon Valley, the mad, the madmen of the Silicon Valley, um, cutting mm-hmm. numbers. Um, Twitter, I guess, is a different kettle of fish, but Meta, Meta and Facebook are, are cutting um, headcount. Thousands, thousands. And a couple yeah. of other tech companies went earlier in August and September, but we're not seeing that response in Australia and not necessarily in other parts of the world either. So it's going to be really interesting to see what a recession looks like when the labour market is tight. Because I think that they, the um, government has said that they think that jobless rate will peak at 4.5, which is low. That is extraordinarily low. low. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. So, yeah, cost of living, interest rate rises, supply chain issues. Well, I think we were talking about the cost of lettuce the last time we, <laughs> we, yeah. we chatted. <laughs> you know, building materials, um, all these things, skill shortages, all these things still apply. Um, in the survey that I did with the Echo Partners, um, again, high inflation risk of recession mm-hmm. was top of mind, 87%. Cost of living, 81%. Attraction and retention, um, 69%. So, hello, we're mm. the same, same, right? Mm, it is. Across yeah, the, the same forces. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, just summarising our discussion back on what we were talking about, the socioeconomic issues that were keeping us awake in Australia. We talked about mental health, exhaustion, that lovely acronym of HOGO, the hassle of going out. Do you think we're um, over that yet? Is that still hanging around? Yeah, I don't know. I went and saw Col- um, I went and saw um, uh, Crowded House last night at oh, the ICC. Oh, my gosh, I love them so And I saw much. a scene there going, oh, I, this is the first concert I have been to yeah. since the pandemic. So, um, and was it yeah. a good vibe? Oh, it was awesome. It was I went awesome. and saw Moulin Rouge last week. That's the first theatre production I've gone to. I cheered up in the opening number <laughs> because I was just so overwhelmed by how fabulous it was. <laughs> and I was thinking about all of the people doing their very high can-can kicks and the people that were singing and the people in the can, audience. Because they can, can, can. Because they can, can, can. <laughs> and people in the audience and everyone was just feeling such joy and the energy was electric. And I thought, oh. Oh, I've missed this. And these people on the stage, they had no jobs for two years. Like it just, it was incredible. Highly recommend. Go, go, go. If you can, can, yeah. can. <laughs> if you can, can, can. Um, so then as part of the Echo Server that we did, um, diversity, equity, um, inclusion was mm. top of their social issues, 50%. Um, equal with working preferences. So they've put working from home into into that category. Uh, health, wellness, mental health was at 31%. Mm. Yeah. Um, I think that's going to be an ongoing issue post-pandemic yeah. as well. So that brings us to the tool. <laughs> <laughs> we'll kick off with tech, shall we? 
Yeah, let's go. Go for it, Fry. You want to talk technology? We were, what we were talking about in Australia, and then we can talk about what um, what the number one issues were globally. Well, we're certainly talking about data and cybersecurity, and I think you know this is going to date stamp us, but today Medibank Private confirmed that more customer data has been released by the ransomware group that are because of the ransom was not paid by the deadline. Um, of course, the very high profile cyber attack slash sloppy cybersecurity of Optus um, has also happened in the last few months. And I think there's been a, a couple of dozen other high profile businesses that have been um, had some breaches or other, like Telstra had a breach. There's been a oh, number of... I had an email from Vino Mofo that says a lot yeah. about where There's I a lot. Wine from. The, the rate of cyber attacks um, is, is high, but I think what's happening now is, you know, the big seem, previously seemingly impenetrable businesses are all falling down. So data and data security and the tech that we use to protect our data is a big area of focus. I mean, already was globally, but as with most things that are associated with risk, people kind of put it on the back burner until shit hits the fan. So everybody's very focused on this now. Mm. No, absolutely. We spoke to Chris White, our behaviour uh, economist that we work with, mm. and he he said reputation damage is worse than the act itself. Yeah. So business exposure to risk has never been higher. Reputation damage is worse than the act itself. Mm, mm, absolutely. So um, privacy is number one uh, in the ECHO survey, followed by security. And then um, distrust of global companies such as as Meta came in, mm. came in number three. And we, you know, we, we spoke about this yesterday about how Metaverse has been, the Metaverse has been oversold and, mm. and that's the situation they've got themselves in. You know, just because you talk about it doesn't mean people believe it. <laughs> Try, stop trying to make it a thing, Zooks. Yeah. We don't yeah. want it. <laughs> yeah, and, and we talked about how those Silicon Valley um, uh, heroes, are they, are they heroes anymore? I don't mm. know if they are. Not yeah. based they're, on they're... the way the Tesla share price is going. <laughs> The only other thing that I thought of with technology, it's a, it's a little bit of a micro focus point, but a big impact and kind of bridges over to environment is the EU passed, uh, I don't know if legislation is the correct word, that all portable technology or all tech has to have a USB-C charge point in it. So you know how we have enormous amounts of e-waste of charges for different phones, like Apple phones, for example, versus Android, etc. They've passed that all tech companies have to have a standardised USB-C input point for charging. And so what this means is that they have, like Apple will have to comply and other tech companies that aren't currently using that will have to comply by a certain date. So it kind of bridges tech and environment because it it, the, it came to a head through a concern about e-waste, but it ultimately affects, you know, the tech businesses around the world and hopefully makes life easier when your phone's dying because everyone's going to have the same charger and yeah. you can just borrow someone else's. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's so painful, yeah. isn't it? Um, well, why don't, we, why don't we go to environment? We'll, we'll come back to legal because mm. legal was really um, tied in with, 
the technology stuff anyway, anyway around yeah. data and regulation and, and privacy yes. and privacy. Mm. Environment mm. uh plastic bag recycling discuss. Oh, this is a bit heartbreaking. Mm. So what we do know about soft plastic recycling is that there is a long-term plan in place in Australia and facilities are being built, but though those aren't going to be in play and um, able to recycle Australian soft plastics at scale until 2025. So until that time, there was there is uh, currently on hold, but there is a program called Red Cycle in Australia, which uh, was backed by Coles and Woolies, our two enormous supermarket organisations, uh, that allowed you to drop off your soft plastic waste into special bins at their stores, and then it would be collected and recycled. Um, and what this did was give everybody, you know, we feel guilty as consumers purchasing products that are in soft plastic, but sometimes we don't have an option mm. in particular categories. So it gave us an opportunity to feel like we could purchase those products and still um, ensure that they were being recycled. I know, anyway, my family is big red cyclers. My kids will like collect soft plastics and really go off at me if I accidentally put something in the bin that's soft plastic. <laughs> so... Unfortunately, this week we found out that the program has been put on hold because um, the we've, they've been stockpiling soft plastics in warehouses because they haven't been able to ship and process it overseas where it has been recycled on our behalf um, at the rate that they need to. So they need to put it on hold because they've basically run out of space to store it. And what I really think is the saddest part about this is that it's just another blow for consumer sentiment whether people are actively recycling or not it's an un another unfortunate proof point that makes you feel like what's the point i'm trying yeah. i'm trying why to bother? do my best yeah. but why bother but hold on please just hold on because we are coming up with solutions they're just not coming fast enough i think it ne they all need to be accelerated if we're really going to be able to make a difference from an environmental perspective with day-to-day -day consumer behavior yeah, in our industry and what we do for a living, having something when you when the reputation of of something is damaged, it's really hard to come back from this. So when those um, facilities come online, and I think they said there's something in the air for 2023. Um, yeah, I think some of them are due to maybe even come on earlier than scheduled. So yeah, you know, what do you do? You go well. We watched War for Waste, and we saw where it ended up. It ended up on it, you know, on a boat to China. And but they they put a tracker in that. I remember they put yeah. a tracker in that and it did up, end up at a recycling facility in China. The problem is China's like, no, we're good, thanks. Yeah, we're not going to recycle yeah. your stuff anymore. No. So we've got to do it ourselves. <laughs> so, yeah, there's going to be, a, um, yeah, a big piece of work to be done when they do come back online because oh, I've got my bag there. What do I do with it? I'm going to feel so guilty putting it in the bin. I can't tell. I can't tell my son. No. He, he'll, it's, this will set him off. Yeah. <laughs> and now I need to stockpile it somewhere. <laughs> um, what else did we talk about under environment, Fry, in, oh, in look, Australia? Look, I, I may or may not have mentioned that, um, you know, there was a really inspiring speech, uh, sarcasm intended, uh, at the beginning of COP27 last week or over the weekend, that we're on a highway to climate hell. Which, um, you know, it's terrifying, but I appreciate why the um, scaremongering or, you know, very acute negative sentiment exists at this year's COP. Because last year there was a lot of debate and back and forth about 
language and commitments. And in the end, they landed on phasing down coal instead of phasing out coal globally as a commitment um, from a number of nations. So this year, the focus is on accelerating action. It's on uh, funding, providing funding to developing nations to support their action on um, climate change due to the fact that they're already experiencing the worst of it. Uh, and just the significant weather events that have happened all around the world just in the last 12 months and the rate at which they're happening is unprecedented. So there's a real sense of like, move now, move faster than we said we would last year and um, basically lift your game um, is, is the message to all nations. Yeah, I think um, we also said, look, we're doing our part, like we're recycling our plastics, but, but yeah. companies and governments need to, to step up, right? Yeah, how much control do we have if the schemes collapse and, you know, the systems aren't there and it's not being done at scale by governments and large corporations? So, you know, bravo to the big organisations that are redesigning and completely changing and innovating their supply chains and their business models because, of course, it's at a huge cost, but it's it's their responsibility as much as it is ours. Yeah. Well, no surprises. The ECHO survey that we did, climate change was number one at 69% and um, ESG reporting was at 62%. Mm. It's increasingly in Australia, it's much more advanced in Europe, ESG reporting. Yeah. Um, but increasingly a focus in Australia as well, particularly for sophisticated investors. All right, let's pretend that we don't yeah. know how to spell pestle and we're going back to L. <laughs> E-L-L-E, you know, alternative spelling. <laughs> yeah, yeah you, you spell it how you say tomato, I say tomato. Um, okay, back to legal. Um, just overall, again, and I mentioned previously from the ECHO information that we had, the you know, data 62%, regulation 56%, and privacy at 44%. What do we have in our? Um, there's quite a few changes on the work workplace front, enterprise bargaining, removing um, secrecy about being able to discuss with what your you know, colleagues earn versus yourself, which I think will support um, closing that gap on gender pay I think that you know but the more transparency the better frankly uh, and then also I guess there's been a number of shifts that really relate to societal issues um, and social issues from a legal perspective so I'm a bit of a fangirl of Chanel Contos who is a young Australian woman who predominantly resides in London who started the teachers consent movement and has become a huge agitator um, and advocate for uh, consent education and successfully um, that has come into the curriculum in a number of states across the country, but also laws around protection of individuals against sexual harassment and sexual violence. Um, so new consent laws have come in, um, coercive control laws off the back of the sad death of Hannah Clark and the focus in domestic violence has often been on physical violence historically but in that incident this woman was violently killed with her children by her ex-husband who had as far as everybody knew never laid a hand on her before so you know since then it's been revealed that there had been some physicality but predominantly his forms of abuse were what we now understand to be coercive control and I think as a nation we're waking up to um, the danger and the power of those behaviours and that they can be 
markers or precursors to acts of violence against particularly women. So new laws coming in and new education, I understand, for frontline police in Queensland. Um, they're still debating it in New South Wales, as far as I know. And then um, changes to paid domestic violence leave hooray, as well at a national level. Hooray. Yeah, hooray. Mm. Yeah, I think um, the new government's certainly got a, I like to call it like the empathy lens, mm. which, you know, mm. they're looking after people that were usually overlooked or have been historically overlooked. Yeah, and I think we're seeing it at a state level and a federal level that there's an understanding and appreciation of that, you know, first of all, that everyone deserves to feel safe and valued in society. But I think they're thinking about the bigger impacts and knock-on effects of these things if they go unchecked or, you know, without consequence, that they have other knock-on effects in society that are definitely not what we're looking for. Um, so it's just really... It's, it's a real change of pace from the last few years to have a number of legal changes that are specifically about social or social justice issues. Yeah, one of the other things we talked about was, you know, post-COVID, post um, there, was, there was, and there continues to be an incredibly large number of people that have passed away from COVID in aged care, and will that, you know... And, um, end up in courts? Will there be a class mm. action against the government for not doing mm. what they needed to do in the first place? Duty of care. Yeah, mm. yeah. So we'll, yeah. See, we'll see what happens there too. Well, that's our pestle in the completely wrong order, but that's okay. Um, <laughs> and and again, look, I just I can't talk about it enough. The importance of just reviewing this on a you know if six monthly or even an annual basis, mm. just to you know like where where are you in this in this path? What what um, products or services do you have that can help during, you know, these, these times? You know, there's there's so many ways to look at the PESL um, outputs or outcomes. Mm. Yeah, for, and for every, for every business, just it, it can be so difficult to carve out the time to just reflect or, you know, maybe even levitate above the day-to-day and consider the bigger picture. And these macro trends really do impact your target audiences. They impact your suppliers and they impact your clients if you're in a you know professional services scenario. Oh, and, and your staff internally. And your staff, absolutely. Yep. So I think it's it's been really helpful to do this um, sort of in the half two of, of 2022 um, as we sort of hit another phase in living with COVID um, or whatever we're calling it these days. I don't think they're even calling it COVID normal anymore. It's just life. This phase of life, it's good to do it again because, um, of course, the pandemic was all consuming in front of mind across all pestle, peed it right through to the second day, you know, um, whereas now there's a war in Ukraine, there's skyrocketing inflation, um, you know, the, the the climate emergency is peaking. There's a lot of things that we kind of didn't have our eye on while we were all just getting by that we need to turn our attention to again and be sympathetic towards or empathetic towards. No, hear, hear. Mm. Well, 
Thank you so much for listening. Um, I'm Nicole Webb, the CEO of the Impact Agency. I'm here with Francis Dwyer, my general manager, and we wish you an excellent day wherever you may be, and uh, we'll talk to you again soon. Yeah, see you later. Bye. Bye.